Hosea chapter 8, God willing, we'll be expounding verses 1 through 2 this morning. The title of the message is, Where Judgment Begins. Where Judgment Begins. Sure, I'll announce that while they're turning there. It's that time again for another Ladies Fellowship. It'll be September the 16th. And this will be in Canton, Texas. The ladies will be leaving the church here about 9.15. And if you want to carpool, you can hop in or just follow uh, someone up there. Or you can just meet them up there. Uh, it says we will have brunch, devotions, fellowship, fun, and some shopping therapy. Oh, well, we should have left that out. Men are going to find some of those women to do. That that uh, that's that uh, September, but uh, Miss Tammy has a little. You brought a few of these, didn't you? She has some of these. If you would like them to put on your refrigerator or something, to make a note at home for the ladies' fellowship, they always have such a good time. It's going to be at Latham Bakery, Latham Bakery in Canton. I'm sure, it'll be a nice time. The title of the message this morning is Where Judgment Begins. Now this morning we're starting a brand new chapter here in the book of Hosea. We're finishing chapter 7 up last week. And once again, God willing, we'll expound the first two verses in chapter 8. And these verses are very sad and sobering verses. Especially when you consider who's speaking them. And when you consider to whom they're being spoken. As we read these verses, we have to understand that God is speaking to Israel, but although He's speaking to Israel, everything He's saying to Israel directly applies to every place that calls itself a church today. All right? Israel is the house of God, and the church is the house of God. So everything God says to Israel, God's church in the Old Testament... He says to God's church in the New Testament today. In Hosea chapter 8 verse 1, God told Hosea, if you'll look now in verse 1 with me, put a horn to your mouth. Put a horn to your mouth. You know, that would be a good part to underline or highlight in your Bible if you like doing that. You know, in Hosea's day, a horn was not just used, you know, to make music. It was used to make war. It was used to sound alarms of, of things that were coming. We, we, ha- we still have something similar to that today when the tornadoes come through, don't we? And you have the cities that blow the trumpet or the horn or the, what we call a siren. It's still the same thing. And not too many years ago, in fact, right here in the good old USA, our military was still using a horn to call our soldiers into battle or to tell them to retreat or whatever. And uh, right here in the United States military, as a prophet, God was telling Hosea, put a horn to your mouth to sound an alarm that the enemy is on his way. Put a horn to your mouth. Now, here's a golden truth for Bible preachers today. Put a horn to your mouth. God's messengers have a responsibility to deliver God's message. 
The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Jesus Christ. And since we're the body of Jesus Christ, that means we're the only mouth God has here on earth. We are God's mouthpiece. We are His body. We all have a responsibility to speak on God's behalf, but it is especially incumbent upon Bible preachers to boldly proclaim His Word. And that's something that preachers are falling down on on the job today. We've got people like Andy Stanley who are comforting sinners and saying, well, they all need a place. They all need a place to serve in the church. And I'm not talking about everyday sinners. I'm talking about blatant, rebellious people who are, are, are going against God's Word. Well, we want everyone to feel welcome here. And so you don't want to say anything. You don't want to do anything to offend anybody. Don't want to run anybody off. Don't want to make anybody mad. I remember they were talking to Joel Osteen one day about this very thing. He says, you know... I wish I could do the hairdo. You know, I'm, I don't want to, to condemn, and I, it's not up to me to judge. You know, I just want to preach God's love. But it's incumbent upon Bible preachers to put a horn to their mouth. If you have a person who claims to be a man of God and they don't have God's trumpet to their mouth, they're a false preacher. By putting a horn to his mouth, Hosea was warning God's people about the impending judgment that was coming upon them because of their transgressions. Write down in your notes and your margin, Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1. God told Isaiah, Isaiah was his prophet, his messenger. He said, cry aloud, Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. That's what a man of God does. I'm all about preaching about Jesus and forgiveness of sins, but how can you know you need to be forgiven of sin if you don't know what sin is? How can you be delivered from sin? If the pastors are constantly coddling you in that sin, you can't be. He, spent, he, he told Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not. You know what that means? Don't you worry about their faces. Don't you worry about their feelings. Don't you worry about they're going to walk off and leave you or pick up a stone and try to stone you. Your job is not to appease. Your job is to put a horn to your mouth, Isaiah. Lift up your voice like a trumpet, he said. People like to think Christians are somehow disappointing God when they're speaking against other people's sins. They tell us all the time that we're not like Jesus when we condemn wickedness because we're not supposed to judge. Don't judge. Uh-uh. Jesus didn't judge. Boy, he did too. He sure did. They're mistaken. For the God that said, judge not, is the same God that said, show my people their transgressions. When Jesus told us to not judge other people, 
He was not forbidding us from showing people their sins. He was forbidding us from condemning others while excusing ourselves. When speaking about judging others in Matthew chapter 7 verse 3, Jesus asked this question. He said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? That's the context of Jesus telling us not to judge. Jesus was talking uh, about accusing others while excusing ourselves. At which time we become a judge of the law rather than a doer of it, as the book of James would put it. God makes it clear to us this morning, telling us, show my people their transgressions. If, let me ask you, if the church doesn't show people their transgressions, then who's going to? Who's going to? The government's not going to show them. They're the ones promoting it. Liberal churches, false churches aren't going to show them. They're the ones condoning it and welcoming it. The world's not going to show them. They're the ones doing it. Outside of nature and conscience, the church is the only voice of God this world has. So if we don't tell them, then nobody will. What God is telling Hosea, He's telling every pastor this morning. What God is telling Hosea, I believe He's telling every church member this morning that we all have an obligation. God is telling us, put a horn to your mouth because judgment is on its way. Don't worry about offending people. If you love them, then put a horn to your mouth. I would rather blow a horn and offend someone into heaven than take a knee and appease them into hell. The next time you have the opportunity to warn someone of the dangers of their sin, don't let the devil hinder you. Put a horn to your mouth and get to blowing. Hosea was supposed to warn the people that the enemy was on his way, telling them, if you'll look back in your text now, he comes like an eagle. He comes like an eagle. Now, an eagle comes boldly, without fear or hesitation, and they quickly take their prey. So when he says he comes boldly, the he is talking about an enemy king that was on its way, probably the king of Assyria, considering the time that this was written uh, by Hosea, that the king of Assyria would come after Israel like an eagle comes after its prey, and the God who delivered Israel out of Egypt would now sadly, because of their rejection of his word, now deliver that same nation into the hands of the enemy king and his army. God had told Israel before they ever came into the promised land, He warned them through His prophet Moses, while they were still out in the wilderness, that He would bless them as a nation as long as they obeyed His word. But God warned them that He would send a foreign nation like an eagle against them if they ever forsook it. Write down in your notes in your margin where it says He comes like an eagle. Outside your margin, write down Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 49. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 49. Moses warned them, saying, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth. A nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. 
So what Moses told them was, if you obey God's law, you're going to be blessed by God. You're going to be protected by God. But if you forsake the word of God, then God's going to take an eagle, uh, take a nation, and He's going to come against you like an eagle, and He's going to speak to you with a tongue you don't understand. That was the first uh, understanding of what it means in the New Testament to speak in tongues. Right there, when Moses was warning Israel that the enemy would come against them and speak to them with a tongue they don't understand. That's why when you get to the book of Acts, and they begin speaking with tongues, all these Jewish people are there speaking with other tongues, and Peter reminded them, uh, God said, I'll speak to you with other tongues. Now, what was that about? Why were all those Jews speaking all those different languages? And why were those different languages their native language in the country they were born in? Simple. Because Israel disobeyed God's word. Therefore, an enemy came against them. Therefore, they got driven out of their land. Therefore, their offspring was born in other nations who spoke other tongues. And all of that was being fulfilled right there in the book of Acts. And you're seeing it first right here. And this is going to happen. The king of Assyria and his army is going to come. Then Babylon's going to come. Then Greece is going to come. Then Rome is going to come. Instead of taking heed to Moses' warning in their, in, in their Bible, Israel treated God's warning like it was a bunch of outdated religious make-believe. And about 40 years later, after Hosea wrote this, only 40 years later, the kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the king of Assyria. All of which is documented, not only in the Bible, but also in secular history. Moses told Israel, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee. Now pay close attention. The Lord would be bringing this enemy nation, look back in your text now, against what? The house of Jehovah. The house of Jehovah, or the house of God. You see what's happening here this morning? God was judging His own house. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. Hide this in your heart. Write it down in your notes. Whatever you need to do. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. Of all the places Jesus went in His earthly ministry, and He went a lot of places, but of all the places Jesus went in His earthly ministry, the only place He judged was the house of God. Think about it when Jesus was here. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He picked up one of their ears that Peter slew off or cut off, and He healed that soldier's ear. When they mocked Him and crucified Him on the cross... Jesus prayed that God would forgive them. When Judas betrayed him, Jesus called him his friend. When the Pharisees blasphemed Jesus and told the people that Jesus had a devil and, and he did what he did through the power of the devil, Jesus lovingly spoke the truth and never laid a hand on them. There was only one time in the New Testament, when Jesus actually became violent, and it was in the house of God. Recorded in Matthew chapter 21, 
verse 12, which says, When he cast out those who sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And when did he, where did he do that at? In the temple. In the house. That's the only time he ever executed judgment. The only place he ever executed judgment when he came. That was in the house of God. The first place God judged in the Bible was not some remote planet he had made. The first place God judged was in heaven itself. Where his word was known by the devil and rejected by his angels. The first place God judged on earth was not some remote spot in the world. It was in the Garden of Eden, once again, where His Word was known and rejected. Another kingdom truth for you this morning. Greater light makes greater sin, which brings greater judgment. Greater light makes greater sin which brings greater judgment. The more you know of God's Word, the more responsible you are to obey it. Listen to this remarkable passage of Scripture that, that, that's recorded through the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4 through 6, where God speaks of His coming judgment upon the nation. Listen to what God says. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. I thank God for that passage of Scripture. God said, You go throughout this nation, and you put a mark on everyone's forehead of everybody that sighs and cries because of all the abominations that's going on. I thank God there's still some people in the United States who still sigh. That means they go, oh God. Oh God, I wish this nation would turn. My wife and I pray almost every morning. Lord, help this nation to repent and turn to you. Because the abominations that I see, they break my heart. They turn my stomach. God said, Ezekiel, you go put a mark on everyone's forehead. Now, this is figurative. This is prophetic. You go mark everyone's forehead. Everyone you see going, oh, God, Lord, help our nation. Because I want to treat them differently. I see the people who are mourning because of the sins of the nation. And I see the people who are rejoicing because of the sins of the nation. And Ezekiel, I want you to set them apart. Because God sets us apart. Yes, we live in a wicked land right now, but thank God He knows those that are His. And He puts a mark on us, Brother Doug. You know what that mark is? The seal of the Holy Spirit of God. When you believe, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. But he says, you put a mark on the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others, he said, in mine hearing, go after him through the city and smite. 
Let not your eye spare. Remember when he told Isaiah, spare not. He said, let not your eye spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. Look at the next part. And begin, where? At my sanctuary. You begin at my house. Then they began, where did they begin the judgment? Then they began at the ancient men which were before or standing outside of the house. Not the young men outside the house, the ancient men outside the house. Do you know why? Because the old leaders of God's house knew better than anybody else. And they were the ones responsible for not passing down the fear of God to the next generation. The people who had the greatest light, had the greatest judgment, God began at His house and He began with the men who were in charge of it. And He worked His way down from there. The people with the greatest light have the greatest responsibility. God said, begin at my sanctuary. God's judgment begins at God's house. God's judgment begins at God's house. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17. The apostle Peter said, for the time has come that judgment must begin where? At the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Christians have the greatest light of all. I thank God that we have a church here where His Word is preached in sincerity and truth. I thank God that we have a Sunday school teacher and Sunday school teachers over with the children that open up God's Word and tell it like it is and explain the meaning of it so we can grow and grace the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But knowing the Word of God makes us accountable for obeying the Word of God. Greater light brings greater responsibility. If you're letting God feed you, then you better make sure you're letting God lead you. Because that's the whole purpose of feeding you, is to lead you. Shepherds, don't, <laughs> shepherds do not lead without feeding sheep. And they cannot feed without leading sheep. The two go hand in hand. So when you're fed God's Word, then follow God's Word. God said He was sending the enemy upon His house. Why? Look back in your text. Because they have broken my covenant. Now the Old Testament covenant was a foreshadowing of the New Testament covenant. <clears throat> the Old Testament covenant gave commandments and it gave a temple, a tabernacle, and a priesthood... <coughs> For those who broke them. The old covenant told you what to do, but gave you no power to do it. The new covenant that the church has now tells us what Jesus did, tells us what to do, but then through the resurrection of Christ and our death with Him gives us the power to do it. Not us for God, but God in us. So he says, why am I going to 
begin at the house of God. Why am I going to judge my house? Because they've broken my covenant. The house of God broke the covenant of God. And to put it in modern terms, Israel was a church without a gospel. Boy, we've got a lot of those today, folks. A lot of them. Here's a kingdom truth. A church without a covenant is a group of people who meet in God's name with no means of obtaining God's approval, mercy, and grace. Like Israel, they possess a Bible, but they reject the truth and life it gives. These people received the greater judgment because they had the greater light. God said, they have broken my covenant. Look back in your text. They have sinned against my law. God's law commanded them to keep his covenant and pointed them to the priestly work of the tabernacle. Nevertheless, they rebelled against it. So God said, when their judgment comes, verse 2, Israel shall cry to me, my God, we know you. Folks, this is powerful verses. These are powerful verses. So, here's what you have. You've got a nation that has a church that broke the covenant. They've got the temple without the covenant. No different than a a, a people meeting today in the name of Jesus as a church without the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, you've got a church without a covenant. God's going to send Judgment their way is going to begin at his house. And then he says, when the judgment comes, the people that broke the covenant, that have been meeting in the house, are going to say, God, we know you. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Boy, he's telling it just like it is here. One day, there's going to be many in the church who do this very thing. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, verse 24 through 27. Luke 13, verse 24 through 27. Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. There's a very narrow, that word straight means narrow, the way it's written. You, you make sure that you enter in at that very narrow gate. Why is it so narrow? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Not by your works in Jesus' name, but by Jesus' work in your name. You come in through me alone. You strive to come in that That straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. There's going to come a day when God's judgment's going to come. When when death and hell shall shall, uh, uh, cast up their dead. And everyone's going to stand before Christ. And the judgment is going to be held. The books will be opened. And everyone's name who's not found written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world... It says, many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. 
The time to enter into God's kingdom through God's Son is now. There's coming a time when that eagle is going to come, when the judgment is going to come, after you've died, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior. It's going to be too late to act on what you know in God's Word. He said, many will seek to enter in, shall not be able. When's this going to happen? He said, when once the master of the house is risen up. What's the master of the house going to do? He's going to judge his house. The master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door. He's going to close the door to the house. Right now, God's building his house. Wisdom's building her house. And God's building his house. He's putting up lively stones, just like we learned Wednesday night. If you're not watching Wednesday night, you're missing out. And he's putting these lively stones together. That means the believers in Christ, building them up behind the foundation of Christ. And one day the master of the house is going to rise up. He's going to shut the door because no one can enter then. It'll be too late. He says, and ye begin to stand without. That means outside the house. And to knock at the door. Saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. And there's, well, we know you. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not. I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. God said, if you'll look back in your text in verse 2, when this judgment comes, Israel 